Hi all, Brian Barrett here. Welcome to Truth is Truth Podcast, where the truth is truth whether you believe it or not. And that truth comes from God and God only. Before I get into the coming Season 1, Episode 15, I want to share something with you that has been on my heart. All of us who are believers in God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, must understand our purpose. I use this comparison that you'll hear next for all those who are aware of how things work in this country. One of the important jobs of our legislators is to write or propose laws and regulations upon a people they serve. It is the job of the judges across the country to debate the issues brought before them and to apply those laws to the people as brought forward and come to a conclusion how the law is to be applied. In our Christian life, our job is like the judges. We are to take the Bible and literally apply it to our lives and to literally give that to other people. Our job is not to legislate, interpret, or debate that word, but to apply the word of God completely and literally to our lives. We are to spread the gospel, God's word. We are also to live our lives in that subjection and by example showing that to all in which we come into contact. I've been so disappointed in those who have taken God's word and given their proposals to what it says. Please, all my fellow believers, do not water down God's word or interpret it to be inclined to this world in the worldly ways. Yes, maybe it won't be as popular and maybe you won't be listened to by those who want their ears tickled or want God's word to align with their lives. Our purpose is to tell the truth of God's word as it is written and to do so boldly and unapologetically. It is our job to tell the world the truth about Christ. It is God's to use that as he will. Read God's word, pray for understanding, and God will give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. These are the three stages of a true believer. We are given wisdom and salvation, knowledge by reading and supplication in God's word, and understanding through prayer and God applying his word to our hearts and our minds through the Holy Spirit within us. That is what we share with the world. Stay the course and God will bless you with understanding in his word will take on literal life in you. That is my pre-podcast message to you uh, today. It's been a long time since I've been in here. Uh, had to relearn how to work the equipment. It's been so long um, as many things have been busy in the county and, and in the family. So I do apologize uh, for the delay in getting out this podcast. Um, but I do want to tell you before I start this podcast, this is going to be unedited. I'm not going to have it edited as the person that edits my podcast is getting married today or probably already married by now. Uh, so I'm not going to bother her with uh, editing it. And I wanted this one to be uh, more real and personal anyway. There are several things in my life that uh, I recall that were turning points and or just uh, things in my life that were devastating to me. The first uh, being the death of my grandmother, Baird. Um, was pretty tough for me as I lived with her for a little while and took care of her. And then finding out that my mom had terminal cancer in 1980, uh, that was a bad day, um, although she's still alive today by the grace of God. Uh, my brother getting cancer um, was another biggie in my life. Um, and again, he's we're blessed. He's alive and still with us today after battling leukemia. And there's just those type things that stick in your head and those type things that are that change your heart in, in many ways. 
uh, just life th- changing things. And, and I'll say this, and I know my daughter's going to be really mad at me and probably my daughter-in-law, but one of the other two things that really affected my life was my daughter-in-law having a miscarriage and my daughter having a miscarriage. Uh, so those things, you just when you think about them, they just press to the, the inside of you and who you are and uh, really just make you want to consider life and things about it. And this next podcast that I'm going to tell you is one of those things. Uh, this is very personal to me. It's very real in my life today and has been for a lot of years. This is one date in my life that I'll never forget. And my wife and I talked about and we're looking for a past presentation that I did right after this event happened. And I gave it to the church that we were going to uh, as a testimony of God and his passion and his forgiveness and his love and his kindness and his grace and his mercy. Um, But it's just one of those dates that will never go away from me. February 12th, 2003, at approximately 8.15 in the evening, there was a thing that happened in my life and my wife's life that changed me forever and took me in a direction that I thought I would never go. And I want to just tell you that story. And this is it. It's a... It's what I call a huge mistake and a forgiving God. And This is Season 1, Episode 15 podcast, and I'll always remember this one too. You have heard a few small parts of this story in some previous podcasts, and this will put them together in unison. But I became a deputy marshal in 1985, 86, somewhere. I became marshal in 1989 and started a group called the Bad Boys. The Bad Boys became fairly popular and was a group of officers that went to high schools and did a faith-based program. Believers Against Alcohol and Drugs is what it was called, Bad Boys. There's a lot there, but that is not this story other than it relates to the podcast, which will become apparent as we go. Sheriff Terry McLaughlin was elected sheriff in 2003. Terry was aware of the programs we did back when I was a marshal and liked what we did. I had become a reserve deputy under Terry when he was over the reserve program at the sheriff's office. There's more to that also, but I'll not go there for sake of time. But I left the sheriff's office for several years. When Terry was running for sheriff and won the primary in 2002, he contacted me and asked me to come back to the sheriff's office and go back into the schools with safety programs for the younger kids. We decided on kindergarten through fifth grade to reach kids before they became teenagers. I agreed to pray and see if this would be relevant in my life. Uh, At this time, I was very busy with my business and life in general. I'd been out of public service for a while, not sure I wanted to get back into the sacrifice of my time. Here's where things started going south. I was interested in getting back into policing, but as a reserve, that would only require 24 hours a month. But having a badge again was appealing to me as I always loved serving as a deputy. My thought process was that I could accomplish this new task without spending any more time than that. I agreed to give it a try once Terry was elected, and that was that. I was scheduled to do training to get back into the sheriff's office and had completed all the classroom training while also starting to produce a program for the schools. Somewhere in that process, I found myself realizing that to be successful in this school program, I was going to be putting in many hours. I had been praying fervently prior to this realization and knew God wanted me to do it. The stage was set, and the cold realization of the commitment was too much for my little finite mind. I was set to qualify my newly provided weapon, gun, as all the other hours and training were complete. I was in my office working on business late in the evening, as most times when my faith waned, 
and I started a verbal conversation to the guidance God was putting on my heart. I distinctly remember looking out my office window toward heaven and saying, No, God, I can't do this. I do not have the time, and I will not do this. That was my huge mistake. I decided to go ahead and qualify and then talk with Sheriff and ask him if I could just stay on as a deputy and work my hours as that. I had a plan. I did my weapon qualification, did really well, other than I was totally missing a shot on the target. Unusual for me, but since it had been a while, I figured the first shot of the final stage from the 25-yard line must have gone astray from the target area. No biggie. I qualified well, especially with new farm, which I was not familiar. I was used to carrying a six-hour in the county now. We're issuing Glocks for duty weapons. I started thinking of how to approach a sheriff with my new proposed plan on the way home later that night after work. I was very tired and had a long day and got home sometime after eight. I know it was dark. I had brought my stuff in and decided to clean my Glock the next day as I always clean my firearms away from people, either in my barn or in my basement. I came in, set the gun in my gun case, uh, which housed my gun cleaning equipment down by the couch and sat by my wife, Beth. She got up after my son had asked her for some help on some homework or something. I thought, well, while she's gone, I can get the gun cleaned and be done with it and save time for the next day. I got the stuff out of my gun case and started working on disassembling the gun. And remember, this is after 8 o'clock at night, after a long day, and qualifying at about 250 on the range. I was not familiar with the Glock, but ejected the empty magazine and started removing the slide to clean the weapon. It was really difficult for me, and I was fighting the slide release when Beth came back and sat down beside me. As she sat down, I had pulled the slide back to remove it, and my finger must have gotten into the port, and the slide came forward a bit and caught my little finger between the slide and the port. This next part is a little fuzzy, but I know it hurt really badly, and I let the slide go, and it came forward and the gun discharged around. I was not sure how this happened, but did learn much about the Glock later. And I'll tell you about that and what I put in my report uh, later uh, when I was going before the, the board. You know how when you get in a tough spot or something's happening and things seem to move in slow motion, that's where I was. Uh, my ears were ringing terribly. I was dazed and confused. But I looked to my left where I had seen movement in the direction of the gun barrel and I saw my son Ryan who was heading to the stairs going down to the basement, which was to my left. My dazed focus went toward him. To this day, I can't forget the look he had on his face as I got up and went toward him, wondering if he was okay. Again, everything was a slow-motion blur. After I set the gun down and stood up, I moved to my left where Beth was sitting. I remember looking down at her as I crossed over her legs and noticed she was kind of sliding down the couch toward the floor. She had her hands on her stomach, and she looked at me and said, You shot me. I said, What? And she said again, I think you shot me. I looked at Ryan and saw that he was okay, and then I saw Renee, my daughter, running down the stairs toward us saying something, which to this day I still do not know what it was. My mind went into training mode, and I knelt down in front of Beth to start figuring out what was going on. I moved her hands and saw blood coming from her lower right stomach. I told Ryan to get me some towels and told Renee to call 911. And that's when the action started. You might think this was the huge mistake time, but it was not. The huge mistake was telling God no. The consequence was accidentally shooting Beth, which I will explain later. 
I started applying pressure on the wound with towels I had been given, and someone handed me the phone with 911 on the other end. While I was talking with 911, I started to do a scan of the situation when Beth said she had a burning sensation in her left leg. I moved one of my hands to the upper hip area of her left leg and found an exit wound. I applied pressure to that area as well while looking and holding the phone with my chin. I remember very clearly talking to a very familiar and very good dispatcher named Mark Patterson. Mark and I had many dispatch conversations when I worked in Trafalgar as marshal and then as a deputy. He was good as they come and knew me well. He asked me where she had been shot, and I explained that she had been shot in the lower stomach area from about 8 to 10 inches away. There was silence for what seemed like forever, and he said, Let me say here before I go further, you need to know that I was in training mode, but this was someone that I loved with all that I am, and I was excited and panicking with much adrenaline flowing. But Mark said to me, Brian, settle down and speak slowly, lovingly, and calmly to her right now. That was very good advice. You do realize she might be gut shot, right? Was his question. Then it all hit me. Honestly, from the short distance and where the entry room was, chance of survival was not good. Mark said these words to me, or something close as now uh, I was in life realization mode. He said, speak very calmly and lovingly to her like you may never see her again. He then asked me to evaluate her status. I said, she is calm, she is in some pain, but she is totally coherent and at peace. Beth had this absolute peace during this whole ordeal. She and God had the thing going right then and there. Is the only way I can explain it. And I wasn't going to understand that until days later. We waited on an ambulance to get there for about 45 minutes, and there was a lot of other stuff happening in between there. The uh, Trafalgar Police Department had showed up. Uh, some th- things went on there that I, I, I don't care to repeat, um, and some things that uh, the paramedics were doing um, there that were working on Beth. But it took the ambulance 45 minutes to get there. We waited all that time, my wife bleeding, and me not being sure whether she was even going to survive or anybody else at that point in time. And i got to tell you this, and this is how serious it was. And uh, I was told I had to stay there uh, when they took Beth to the hospital because of the investigation. Um, And I want to say this, that a a good friend of mine, uh, Randy Worden, was on the sheriff's office uh, at that time. He was the road commander. And Randy Worden told them that I was leaving and he was going to take me to the hospital. And he wasn't going to let anybody stop that, and I do appreciate that. Still love Randy today with all my heart. Sheriff Terry McLaughlin was already heading to the hospital, and then Chief Deputy and future Sheriff Doug Cox went to Beth's parents' house and picked them up and was heading to the hospital. Folks, I'm not sure there was one of us that thought Beth was going to survive this episode. This was bad. But right here, I want to go back to a minute. Uh, The Trafalgar police had pulled me away from Beth, and the paramedics were working on her. When I heard her say, Brian, settle down, you're going to have a heart attack. She told the paramedics to keep an eye on me. She was concerned that I wasn't looking right and and that I might have a heart attack. Now, people, my wife had just been shot in the stomach. And the peace she had because God was with her, and she knew that. She was worried about me, not herself. Because that in her mind had already been determined because of the peace she had with Almighty God. That is just unbelievable to me, and I hope and I pray that that example has come out in us both 
since we've been there um, and we understand these things. And, and I know many of you have probably too. But there's so much here that I could go back to, and, and please be patient. Uh, I still lose it a little when I retell this story. But I want you to know that this was a, a point in time in my life that, that things changed in, a, in an instant, and things that weren't important to me before had just become important to me now. And as you heard the, the paper flip, I just flipped my notes over, and, and uh, I'm going to continue this on in just a personal uh, talk with everyone here, not worrying about the notes. I want you to truly understand from my heart where I was and what was going on. I was on the in the car with Randy, and we were going to the uh, running to the hospital uh, as quickly as we could to get there. Uh, because honestly, and I, I really believe this, and I believe everybody there believed this that we assumed when we got to the hospital we were going to be given the news that my wife had passed away. Because of the shot, the relative um, shot that was given to her, where it hit, where it went through, uh, what was possibly potentially what we call a gut shot, which is a death shot. Um, this was all going through my mind as I was traveling up, and Randy Worden kept telling me, Brian, it's okay, it'll be okay. And you know that's what we always say to people, even though we know it's not. Uh, but I just kept going through this in my mind and why God would allow this to happen. And on the way to the hospital to, to hopefully see my wife alive one more time, I understood what God had done in my life. I sat in, a, in, a, in my office of that house, and I told God no. Something I had never really done in my life and will never do again. But that was the mistake that was made. It was telling God no and knowing absolutely what he wanted me to do. And folks, if you just think about it, how many times have you done that in your life? How many times have I done that in my life? In, in smaller things, it didn't matter as much. The, the future that God had for us in these school programs was going to be amazing. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I didn't understand that at all. But God did. And God sees all things. And he saw all the way through what we were doing for the 16 years that Beth and I did these programs before I retired from them. But God saw all that. And he couldn't let me say no, because not doing that would change everything that God had planned for me in his will for our lives and for these kids' lives and the parents' lives and the teachers' lives and all those who were affected by the programs that Beth and I did in the schools as a Christian-based, faith-based program. So this was not something small. This was a big, big deal. And you can't say no to God because people can suffer for that. You know, we don't understand this, but sometimes people suffer because of our sin. People that we care about greatly will suffer because of our sin and are not following God's will in our life. So please understand, in all his perfection, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his love for us, to send his son to die for us. In all that, God wants us to give him our will, to make our will his will. But the realization of that in that ride up to the hospital, knowing that I caused this, a decision I made caused this. It wasn't God's fault. It wasn't Beth's fault. It wasn't my kid's fault. It was my fault. I caused this in our lives. 
And that's a burden that we can hardly stand. And I'll tell you this, and I'm not ashamed of it, and Randy can probably testify to this. I broke down and cried in that car, pleading with God not to let my wife die for what I had done. I begged him to take me instead. It was my wrong. It was my decision that brought this upon me, and I knew that. God put that on my heart. It was clear uh, to all things in me that this was what I had caused. It seemed like that ride to the hospital took forever to Methodist Hospital. But I'm sure it wasn't that long, but it was enough time for God and I to get straight what had happened. And I'm glad for that. His mercy and his grace are just amazing and unbelievable. But anyway, when we got to the hospital, Randy and I went in and uh, was walking up the hallway and, and toward the, the area that we were guided to and um, really didn't hear a whole lot going on. And, and Randy just kept telling me, Brian, it's going to be okay. Brian, it's going to be okay. And I kept just not believing him. But when we rounded the corner into the emergency room, uh, the first thing I heard as I rounded that corner, was my wife's laugh, which is a beautiful laugh, and she's always laughing. Uh, she's always got a smile on her face. She's one of the happiest people I've ever known. But I remember her laughing, and I remember hearing Sheriff's voice, and I remember hearing a strange voice that I didn't know. But when I walked into the room, my wife looked at me and asked me if I was okay. There again, that grace of God, that peace that she had. But my wife was going to be okay. And this is the part of the story I want you to really understand. And what I'm going to say from here is is true facts that uh, came from the investigation and a lot of different things. But uh, I just want you to understand that it sounds crazy, but it's all true and it's all God. We had to end up staying at the hospital. Of course, she was in the hospital on, uh, or she'd just gotten home on uh, Valentine's Day. So that was a, a bad time. And We'd left our dog, Laser in the house, and uh, we had thought my dad and mom were going to take care of him, but uh, evidently nobody knew he was there. So that dog spent over 48 hours in the house hiding underneath the bed from the gunshot that went off. Um, and when we got home, we didn't realize he was there. We opened the door of the house, and there he was at the door. And, I mean, that dog shot out the door like a rocket. and We didn't see him for a few minutes as he went out and relieved himself. But that dog stayed in that house the whole time. And not once did that dog um, get sick. Not once did he use the bathroom anywhere in that house. Um, And he was so happy to see Beth. It was just unbelievable. And again, um, if you remember back to the stories, that's when my bond started with uh, dogs. Uh, Laser was the start of that. Uh, Into Ruger, Bert, uh, Josie, Benny. Um, and just all the dogs that that we've had since then have been so special in my life. But that started that relationship uh, with dogs because those were bad times for me. And uh, to look at the excitement of of him seeing Beth and once he relieved himself uh, coming back to Beth and uh, the love that was there was fantastic. But the investigation went on, and and a lot of things happened in that investigation, and um, some of them good, some of them not so good, and, uh, the bottom line was is that it was uh, determined as an accident, which is what it was. But I want to tell you the the, the biggest story here and, and um, how this thing happened. When that gun went off, it, it went through Beth. It went through uh, the love seat we were sitting in. 
it missed my son by about two inches. It hit the, um, we had a log home. It hit the big log post uh, at the stairway, ricocheted off of that, uh, hit the wood beam in the ceiling of our home, and ricocheted back down and ended up landing about two feet behind Beth and I, um, uh, where the couch was, uh, and embedded in the floor there. But the, the person that investigated this uh, uh, was an unbeliever. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, and I wouldn't do that, but I, I want you to know that uh, after the investigation was done, they could not come up, or he could not come up, with a physical way that the bullet traveled uh, through Beth. And the angle that uh, the, the shot went into her stomach, her abdomen, the way that angle went in and the angle that it came out of her left leg according to him, was physically impossible. And his answer to that was, and this is a non-believer, that God reached his hand into that bullet and turned it for it to go the direction that it went through my wife. Uh, and he called her his little miracle lady. It was a neat, neat story uh, and a, a neat time for me because it just showed me how real God was in our lives. Even though I knew it, I didn't know it like I did from that point forward. This is someone that didn't have the belief that I had. And it's amazing uh, to hear that story. And just when I heard him say what he said, the hand of God turned that bullet. And if you look at the direction physically that that bullet went, it went into my wife at about a 47-degree angle from where the bullet was. It turned basically 45 degrees and ran across the front of my wife's stomach turned about 45 degrees and come out of her leg not hitting one artery not hitting one organ not hitting one bone passed clean through her and the damage that she has today is two scars from the entrance and the exit and yeah, she had trouble walking for a couple of days because it did damage the muscles that went through. But this is a bullet that should have went straight through my wife's abdomen, out her back. And that didn't happen. And for those of you who are listening to this right now and you are questioning the power and the might and the perfection and the righteousness and the, the greatness of the all-powerful mighty, one and only, true, living God. I would ask you, I would beg you, get on your knees and pray and ask God to show himself to you. The God of this story, the God of my life, the God of my wife's life, the God of our, all our lives, of those who believe. Because this is unbelievable. This is an awesome God. And we hear these type stories all the time. But we just don't really think about them until they happen to us. And I'll tell you uh, from this day forward, and this is where I came up with this, uh, because I went to God and I confessed to him the sin of my heart and, and not wanting to do the will that he had for us to do. And he saved my wife anyway. But I told God from that point forward, I felt like I'd been smacked in the back of the head when all this happened. And, and my dad used to call that a cuffing. 
Um, and I've talked about that in programs before, because when you get smacked in the back of the head and you don't know it's coming. And that's what I felt had happened, that God smacked me in the back of the head because I was running from him. I was running from his will in my life. I was running from uh, something that he was asking me to do and, and something that I should have jumped on and said, no problem, God, because of who you are. But instead, I ran from God. And I promised God up in that same office that I told him no. I promised him from that day forward, if he was going to hit me, he was going to hit me square in the face because I would go toward him for the rest of my life. And I've not changed that direction since, people. I love God with all my heart. I love Jesus with everything that I am. I love my wife with all that I am. But I will go toward God every day of my life. And I will do whatever he asks me to do. Because he is God. And in a blink of an eye, this story could have been totally different. But because of his love, his grace, and his mercy in my life, he saved me again. And I know once saved, always saved people, but he saved me again. I needed that. I needed that renewal in my faith. And God knew that. But please take this story and understand it. It's painful. It's painful to make a mistake like that. It's painful to tell God no without all this. But this is a reason to say yes to God. It's because of the love that he has for us and what he will do for us and what he will take and turn into something so bad in my life and make it so good for not only me, but Beth, um, our children, the children in the schools, uh, taking that faith-based program into the schools was phenomenal. The kids that we met, the kids that we loved, the kids that I missed today terribly that I don't get to see because we're out of those schools. But there's a couple of good guys that took that over and are doing a great job, and there's another story in that over a dog that they have, a canine that they're using now that just uh, came about. But that's a story for another day, and maybe that'll be on a podcast and maybe not but uh, there's just a lot of beautiful things that happen from what happened in this story and I'm glad that God used me to be able to tell this story and I hope and I know this was a little confusing probably and there's a lot of stuff that I missed but I hope there's things that you got from this and understand and I hope that you'll come back and listen again because I've got other stories um I've seen a lot in my short life, and uh, God's been working in my life for a lot of years, and I think any time that happens, we're going to have stories that we're going to tell. But the last thing I want to do real quick is I want to read you the report that I had to turn in. Uh, this is from February uh, 12, 2003, when it happened, approximately 8.30 p.m., and I wrote this on March 3, 2003, almost a month later. 
had previously previously qualified with a department-issued Glock Model 17 9mm semi-automatic handgun. The qualification was completed on February 12, 2003 at approximately 2.50 p.m. local time. I decided to clean this weapon approximately 8.15, opened the gun case to read the disassembly instructions on the handgun. I discovered at this point that the weapon was issued without a manual. This should have stopped my progress of cleaning the weapon as I was not totally familiar with the weapon disassembly, but I continued to proceed. The weapon had no ammunition clip in it at the time I picked it up to start cleaning the weapon. I determined that I would have to pull down on the, uh, the disengage mechanism below the slide to accomplish the disassembly of the slide and barrel. I grasped the weapon by the slide with my left hand on top of the slide. I rested the trigger guard in the palm of my right hand and extended my thumb and index finger to the mechanism below the slide. I was attempting to pull this mechanism, da- mechanism down to release the slide. The mechanism did not seem to disengage. I then decided to pull back on the slide some to hopefully relieve tension on the slide mechanism. I slowly moved the slide to the hammer of the gun or the open position. This did not seem to relieve the tension. I was struggling to keep a grip on the weapon at this time. I released the slide and the weapon discharged a bullet that must have been in the chamber. I do not factually know whether the weapon discharged from the slide going forward or my thumb or finger touching the trigger. I do not think that my hand slipped enough for my thumb or finger to touch the trigger, but again, I am not sure. I evidently failed to clear the chamber of a bullet after my qualifying round, and I failed to open the slide and check for any live round in the chamber. This is the first incident I've had with a weapon. I have had no other accidental discharges of a weapon or have not failed to clear the chamber of any live round in the past. I feel it was a combination of not being familiar with this particular weapon and being tired. I'm confident this type error will not be an issue in the future. I've learned some valuable lessons in this issue. My wife had decided to sit next to me, which which has never occurred prior to this time, nor will it ever occur again. I would normally not work on my weapon uh, when someone else is in the area. This was also a first and last time this situation will occur. The weapon was pointing toward the kitchen and stairwell at the time. My wife had decided to move forward in the seat to retrieve some catalogs on the footstool. The footstool was directly in front of us, approximately 12 inches from the seat we were in. Her forward movement put her in the path of the weapon discharge for just a moment. The weapon discharged at the time, striking her in the abdomen. And I want to stop here and say, the weapon discharged at exactly the right time for my wife to move into the path of it. After the initial shock, my wife realized she had been shot. I investigated the area and proceeded to apply direct pressure to the wound. I asked my son to call 911 and my daughter to get some clean towels. This was accomplished and the ambulance arrived sometime later to take over and transport my wife. In conclusion, I have learned some very valuable lessons. I will not make these same mistakes again. It has been very emotionally embarrassing and humbling. I do not wish for this to happen to my wife, my children, myself, or any other of the people affected ever again. I will be much more educated and cautious from this day forward. And not only in the the fact of what the weapon is, but the fact of who God is. And those are the things that sometimes we don't understand but the miracle in this is that we grew from this. We did something that really, really made a difference in people's lives. But understand the facts of that, and, and even the fact that my wife had to move forward to get in the path of that gun. Otherwise, it probably would have missed her. That is God. 
He puts us in the right place at the right time for the right outcome if we'll just look for it and understand it. And that goes back to that wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Please, especially us Christian believers, get in the Word, read God's Word, pray, and stay healthy in your relationship with God. It's going to be the most important thing you ever do. Sorry for the length of this again, um, but there was a lot of lesson in this and a lot that I didn't even tell you about that was in this story. But that's the story that I want to tell on this podcast. I hope you come back and listen again. Uh, Hopefully it won't be as long uh, before the next one. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. And and right now I know I've got a list of podcasts that I I was going to do in the season one, but I'm not sure where I'm going to go. There's so many things I want to talk about. So it's just going to be a surprise for all of us. Uh, And I won't even say what I'm going to do next because at this point in time, I don't know. I'm just going to let God put it on my mind and my heart to do. I've got a lot of stuff that... uh, has been going on and a lot of stuff that needs to be talked about. But anyway, thank you for listening. And again, I apologize for the length and the, uh, the spacing and all this as it's uh, not going to be edited, but um, we'll get the next one edited before I get it released. Uh, we'll let this one go as it is. And as always, uh, love you all. Great to have you back and uh, great to be back. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get this main thing moving forward. But until then, be of good cheer. And look to the sky. The Lord's going to return soon. And praise God for that. God bless you all.